1: Outkick 360 is back Our number two in what has been A couple of jam-packed shows Live in Knoxville Uh, Great hosts here At Clancy's Tavern and Whiskey House Um, Yes, I'm aware I've got some haunting guy behind me Uh, People are pointing that out on Twitter I'm sure I just stole a joke by Austin Price. That's why I said it from the jump. Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, the VolQuest, Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Crew's all here. Levi Gibson. We've got Jakob Swanson. Lance Lee. David Reed, the chairman of the board, making the show happen for us back in Nashville along with Sleepy Danny. Tennessee wins the season opener over Bowling Green. And for the next hour, we recap Tennessee Bowling Green, look ahead to the week, and much, much more. Gentlemen, great to have you on site. In person here in Knoxville. Glad to be here. Welcome to Knoxville. Glad you guys are here. Y'all's credits is like something
2: that Ward had. You know, John Ward had. He had like 19 people working for him, you know? Natasha <laughs> Minneapolis and all these other people that handled his travel. I mean, you got a laundry list of people. Yeah, this this is happen. all part
0: of Austin's demands. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, he needs a I handler. Mean, he needs a production assistant. He always needs someone around to help with anything that he needs. I
2: know we got to get done in the hour within the hour because yep. his chariot's going to get a ticket outside <laughs> right. if we don't get out of here.
0: He, he came <laughs> in with demands. He's like, this has to be done <laughs> 5 p.m., guys. I mean, we, I mean, we're throwing rose petals out for him when he walks in. I mean, it's a show. I, I'm thrilled that you guys are here live with us because I said this to start the show, but the chemistry uh, between us and really between you guys is great, but Zoom just doesn't do it justice. So to have a real-life in-person Power hour, this is the way it needs special.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I thought it was that really sensitive microphone that's on the Andy Griffith show when Barney, when the guy sings in the back. Oh, my bad. Um, By the way,
0: that was the only reference that Brent would ever get was that Andy Griffith show reference. Yeah, you're exactly right. Do not <laughs> reference Shawshank Redemption or anything like that. Yeah, any He'll, current movie in the last there 30 years.
3: Um, no, you're right. I mean, I think there is a, uh, a, a chemistry, um, and, and I, I think it comes with the fact that, you know, I'm just naturally lighthearted and like to cut up and have brought that out in Brent because he's naturally more reserved or negative <laughs> the general's quarters. <laughs>
1: That's so negative, Brent. 20 years, guys. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you say I'm drinking
3: water? Hubs is liquors in here. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: he's got, I mean, he's Harry Doyle from Major League there's, over here. There's uh,
2: here. I think 289 or 84 straight games that I've seen and not, not all of them have been good. That's fellas. true. So is it Monty? Is that his yeah. sidekick?
0: Yes. Yeah. Dynamite drop-in, Monty, on the fly ball cot on the diving catch. By the way, Hutton, I'm jealous that you're being haunted by, hunted by some old man. I'm being haunted by a soccer jersey behind me uh, the entire time. Speaking of being haunted, uh, we go right into it this way. Tennessee's been haunted by last season, uh, this entire off season. 37 plays, you guys wrote at VolQuest, to end last season against Texas A&M. 88 plays on offense start this game. To me, that's the biggest takeaway that – we knew the offense was fast, and they did it in game one. Mixed results with it, but they were able to accomplish what they set out to do.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, again, was it perfect? No. Um, I, I said this last night on our podcast. I get why Tennessee fans have some angst. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, Joe wasn't perfect. The wide receivers sure weren't perfect. Um, you know, but they were able to run the football. Um, I, I will look back at our, our score predictions, Brent. I mean, you, you picked them probably more than anybody. I think you picked them, what, fifty six ten. 10 I think it was like... Yeah, so that's 46. You know, I picked them 52-17, so that's 35-point differential. They won by 32. I mean, like, the, the difference being is just offensively they didn't put up 50 points. They, at times, didn't look very attractive. But defensively, they did what they were supposed to do. Again, I think it's too quick to judge this team. Maybe they are who they were last night all year, but that team two years ago was terrible against Georgia State and BYU in losses and then found a way to win eight games. So, I mean, I, I, teams you hope get better over the course of the season. And if you're Josh Heupel, you're hoping to see improvement going into Pitt and then so on and so forth the rest of the way. Well, I mean, if you take the first quarter,
2: everybody's going, hey, this is going to be 63-3. to three. I mean, this thing's a or home more. run. You know, I mean, they score as many as they want. Shades of Louisiana Monroe are coming back, <laughs> you know, where they score 70 points. The, the, the problem is, you know, at sec- they got out of rhythm in the second quarter and, and Joe never got it back. Two of 12 throwing the football after the first quarter for Joe Milton. He's got to be better. And so there's where your angst comes from. The biggest takeaway, if you're looking big picture, is what you're talking about. And that is real simple, Chad. You walked out of there last night going, all right, this is what they are. Here's their identity. It might not have been executed well, but you know exactly what they want to do. Whereas there were times where you walked out of the stadium the last couple of years offensively going, what's Jim Chaney trying to do? One week it's jumbo with seven offensive linemen. The next week it's empty with five wide. And you know what? What are they? You walked out of there last night going, "It may or may not work. If they don't get a first
3: down, it's going to be hard to execute." But you know exactly what they want to do offensively. Yeah, when they fell out of rhythm, it was you know playing behind the sticks, Jonathan. I mean, like yeah. they they got you know they, they they were pretty clean penalty wise, but you know they had a couple of moments there in the in the second quarter when Cooper Mates went out, where they just kind of lost rhythm, and, and, and it just kind of spiraled the other direction. And then kudos to, you know, Bowling Green for eating up a lot of clock during that time.
1: 6 nothing in the second quarter. It was quite the second quarter for Bowling Green. Um, <laughs> look, it's so weird because you
0: still, uh, at halftime, Hutton and I are looking at each other thinking, they're still okay. Yeah, no. There was yeah, never any you know, danger no. at all. It was like, Tennessee's going to get the ball and probably go down and score. And there's an eight-play all-run drive to start the second half that takes less than two minutes off the clock. Um, so it was it was a weird second quarter for sure.
1: I, uh, you know, I wanted to see the offense and the quarterback, and I want to get into that in, in a moment. I also just wanted to see a team that looked organized, that showed energy, um, executed, and maybe lacking on the execution part a bit, but the, the penalties were way low. I mean, I, I like what this team did last night, despite some of the, the negative takeaways, which is fine and it's fair. I like the organization. I like a team that came out, and, and you mentioned the identity, Brent, and I think it's perfect because it looked like they knew who they were from the jump. They're not trying to figure it out.
2: Yeah, I, No doubt. And, and again, I, I'm going to show my scars a little bit, but we've seen openers where – Guys, they didn't line up on one side of the ball on defense, right? Like on the defensive line, there's nobody there. We've seen coming out of timeouts and openers, you got to – out of a TV timeout, you got to call a timeout because you got too many men on the field. I mean, you've seen moments where it was just kind of felt like utter chaos and utter confusion. There was never that. Did they execute it well enough? No. Mm -hmm. If if, if they play next Saturday like they played last night, they're not going to beat Pittsburgh. Agreed. But – You don't walk away out of there going, well, they're poorly coached, they're dysfunctional, they're disorganized, they're this, they're that. I mean, they they look like a team that was ready to go play a game. They just didn't execute well enough. And we didn't always see that in years past. And I'm not just talking about Jeremy Pruitt. I'm talking about in years past. We've not always seen season openers where they executed and they didn't have all these Mm – Operational errors. If Are you, you will. saying
3: that 14 men on the field at LSU was just you know that, that was that was par for the course? <laughs> just, just bad luck.
2: Bartender just bad luck is all that <laughs> Make that a double. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be funny if they're uh,
1: over here. They will.
0: So, you know what? Amazing to me, just thinking about Tennessee last night and the other conversations Hutton and I were having about the game. How many times have we watched Tennessee play an, an inferior opponent in the past? and say to ourselves, boy, if Tennessee can't run it on Northern Illinois, how are they going to run it on Florida? (laughs) Or if they can't run it on Troy, how are they going to run the ball against Alabama? That was easy last night. I mean, uh, Hunt and I are watching. I look at them and say, it's really not complicated. They could run the ball for eight yards a carry every single time and not even threaten to pass in this game and win going away. That was a nice change with that offensive line.
2: Yeah, I, now I'm going to pump the brakes here a little bit on that. bullet Green's bad against Just, the run. Yes. I but mean, they were the but worst some of
0: those teams I mentioned yeah, that they, Tennessee but, played against. But
2: they gave up over 300 yards a yeah. game last year. So uh, here's the but thing. But you that, still did it. You did. You, yep. And here's the thing. Which that is I, his point. Right, yeah. That I did like when you watched him last night, and I think this is sort of what you're getting at too, is the, the, the concepts of how they run the football – are, you don't have to be the road grading, all right, we've got to outmash everybody, Austin. That's you know right. what I'm saying? There's, there's, They run a little inside trap where Princeton fans, the lead blocker for a big game. They do some stuff where you don't have to be a physically dominating team to run the football, which has not been the case and was not the case in Jim Chaney's
3: offense. Well, correct. And, and you know, I, I thought, you know, when Ollie Lane came in, you know, because to me that was an interesting moment in the game. Cooper goes out. Um, and, and I think everyone in the stadium, and I think definitely everybody in the press box thought, okay, they're just going to slide Cade into guard and bring in Dave Davis. No, they brought in Ollie Lane and kept Cade out of tackle. And, and Ollie wasn't great that second quarter. He was part of the kind of like the loss of momentum. But then in the second half, I thought really held up and did well. Um, you know, and, and kudos to him because, you know, that's a guy that, you know, hadn't played you know, any real football since he was in high school. I mean, you know, just practice and then mop up duty when you're either up 30 or down 30. Yeah, and
0: and
2: again, I was surprised by that move too because, I mean, all we had heard is, okay, Dane's number six. Yeah. So if there's an injury there, they're going to slide and everything. And they made a commitment, all right, let's let's go play Ollie Lane and see what he can do. And and I think that part of that decision is you don't know how long Cooper's going to be out. I know Coach said he would be back next week. We'll see how the ankle responds. Pitt has a couple outside guys, you know. They can come off the edge with some outside backers and some things that maybe you feel like your best matchup against Pittsburgh is with Cade being outside. Yeah. And if that's the case, you better get Ollie Lane all the work he could get him, and you got him, and he got better. Was is he going to grade out perfect? No, but he was a, as your point made. He's a
3: much better player in the second half than he was in well, the I second. I thought Darnell quarter. Wright was really solid last night. You know, I mean, when you look at you know the totality of his career to this point, you know. He's had a few plays where you're like, okay, I can see the the, the high school ranking. Then a few where you're like, know, eh. I thought last night he went he went unnoticed, and that to me that's a good thing because that means he's just doing his job and not getting beat. Well, speaking of high school rankings, uh, Amari Thomas, I thought looked
0: really good last night on the defensive line, and the defensive line as a whole. Again, you know, we preface it, Brent, with what you said earlier. They're really bad running the football, but they were living in Bowling Green's backfield. Uh, passing plays and it really caused Bowling Green that second quarter to change the way they were playing to every time try to roll the pocket because he couldn't sit back there and throw or was going to get batted down or he's going to get sacked. Uh, and that's a testament to Rodney Garner in that defensive line, which is vet which is a veteran defensive line. Well and there's no doubt they're better. I mean they're a better coach, better play I mean he
2: played eleven Rodney Garner played eleven, 11. guys last night. Probably should have played twelve. Aubrey Solomon didn't play a snap. I think if he Go back, you'd probably find a, a way to get Aubrey on the field and, and get, get some work for him as well. Don't know that they've got four guys that he thinks are vastly superior to anybody else. They're a little bit more of a product of the, the sum of their parts, you know, the, the whole part of them. But, but they were offensive. I mean,
3: they—they were—they were, they were
2: disruptive. We've heard vertical, vertical, vertical. You know, with the defensive line being play upfield, and I thought they did that last night. I thought it was a nice start for that group.
3: Yeah, I thought Caleb Tremblay had a nice start to his Tennessee career, and what will be just a you know a drive by because I mean he's only here for the for the one semester to play football. Um, but but you're right. Um, you know, I, I do think that the the group as a whole is what you're going to look at more so than an indivi- any individual person because you know the way they play, Baron. You know, at Leo, and sometimes he's got his hand on the ground, sometimes he doesn't. You know, I, I, you know, he's more outside backer than he is really defensive end in a lot of ways. But you know, you look at the defensive line, they're kind of like uh, you know the running backs or the wide receivers. Like, I'm not sure that any particular guy is going to be consistently the guy every week. It may be somebody different. Well, by the and, way, I feel like we're leaving Hutton out, and 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 H- <laughs> Hutton, they played without their their
1: arguably their most productive guy in preseason camp on the defensive line last Byron night, Young. And Byron Young. Yeah. Well, some can be greater than the parts, and I think that's okay for that group, mm-hmm. right? With the way they're coached. Well, yeah. you're, you're always going to rotate bodies. I don't care what level of football you're playing, and nobody's
2: playing four defensive linemen an entire game. So it is about how many bodies can you have.
1: Well, and they're not going to be facing Hypel's offense week to week like the other defensive lines will be doing right I, i'm always curious about this because i don't know how much practice you guys watch uh regime to regime i'm always kind of dumb same, to that
3: about the, th- about the th- same three periods give or take so what w- do you, individual periods? what
1: did you know about the offense that you saw last night versus what you learned along with chad and i because we saw it for the first time like quarterback play uh pace of play I didn't know if the pace would mean they're going to get to the line and look to the sideline for a check with me, and then go through the motions. And the play clock runs down a little. This was fast, quick execution, especially those two opening drives. I, it, I was, it was impressive, and to me, I'm thinking in the moment this is going to be extremely difficult to play, uh, to, to practice for, to play against. Yeah,
3: I, I, I do see what you're saying. I, I think I, I learned that they go faster than I re- think you know thought they would. Like I knew they would go fast, but like watching the people behind me in the press box try to keep up the stats, and then I can only imagine what it's like in the truck. Trying, You don't ever get to go to a replay. Uh, Think I about mean, the it, chain it, crew. Just, I mean, it's just constant. And so they go way faster than I, And I knew they went fast, but, like, it's warp speed. I mean, like, there were times where the offensive line, I mean, the, the guy barely hit the ground to be tackled, and yeah, they are over there ready to go. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they, they get going, and they go uh, at a pace that I, I've never seen.
2: The, the only thing I've seen close to that was Tennessee played at Oregon. and when Oregon came to town here, they played pretty fast, but they were on the road and it was there. out there it was a, it was a blitzkrieg. Creek. I mean, it was one of those deals where it was like that. And the, the epitome of that last night is Cooper Mays got hurt. And, I mean, he's grimacing in pain, but he's thinking in his head. Running to the huddle. I've yep. got to get to the ball because we got to go. Yeah, not, Which, not even the huddle. Played, You're right. Running to the line. Before he
3: had to check himself out. Which goes back to the story that, you know, Joe Milton told about Cade from fall camp of, you know, he, he was, you know, he overextended himself. He got a little injured. And instead of, like, thinking about himself, he was thinking about getting the next play and keeping the drive going in fall camp during an 11 11 setting. You know, and that was a play that really stood out to Joe when he knew what Cade was about. Similar thing with what you're referencing with Cooper, same family, but I mean, like you know, let's get to the next thing. And then when we got to a stop in the action, he was quick to tap out. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he was hurt. I think the other thing that jumped out to me a little bit, and I, in practice, I thought he
2: was, I thought his his feet were good. Tyon Evans' feet's better than I thought, I, and I but thought you don't they get were to good. See in, that a whole lot, yeah, yeah, but you could see in drills he had yeah. pretty good. But but in traffic, he was better than I thought he would be. And I'd heard all the buzz about him, and then he gets in the game, and it's kind of, eh. you're like, okay, where's this at? And then he settled into the game, and I
1: thought he really got in a rhythm. His feet were really good, really good. Chad, you pointed that out last night. Yeah. In no. the backfield.
0: Uh, absolutely. I, and I thought uh, you know he, he certainly, I think, was the most impressive uh, of the two that played the most. Um, we talked about this with Joe Milton also, and I, I wonder if you guys noticed the same thing. Speaking of feet, how calm Joe Milton's feet are. Uh, and I, I always go back to the first time I can remember seeing this was James Franklin at Missouri. And this was kind of a Gary Pinkle thing. Chase Daniel maybe before that also did the same thing where they don't move their legs at all. They get to a spot and it looks like they're just hanging out, leaning up against the wall uh, in the pocket. And Joe Milton was doing the same thing last night. I've seen this with some Josh Heupel quarterbacks and I've really seen it in Missouri in the past. Did you guys notice that at all, just how calm his feet were in the pocket? Yeah,
3: I mean, he just – at times you're like, is he still awake? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he almost dozes off back there and then he does one of these go deep deals and, you know, I mean – You know, I think that that's something that they're going to have to somewhat coach out of him, though, because I think it's almost to a, you know, I won't say it's not a a detriment, but I think ultimately they would like him to probably move around just a little bit more than just being such a statue because I think once he realizes he's got to go, it takes a second for him to, to get going. He's not Michael Vick, okay? So, like, he's a bigger guy it well if, you know he can move but it, again that first two or three steps is not going to be as quick as as a smaller guy D- don't you think that watching that and, and seeing that that it's it reminds me or it
2: looks like a guy who's spent his entire life going my arms really really good i don't have to worry about my lower body i don't yeah. have to worry about my trunk i don't have to drive into the ball i don't have to use my legs i mean he, he throws that hail mary and I, Did he even step into the throw? I mean, it's one of those deals where it's like, I'll just flip my wrist, and that's it. And and I think to to Austin's point, because that arm is so strong, it can work against him a little bit from time to time. And, And I think that's the case. I think sometimes he gets, quote, too casual back there. Because he knows, hey, if a guy comes open, man, I can just pop it right there, as opposed to... Staying on his toes, bouncing around. David Cutcliffe would be having a conniption watching him play. Because I mean, for for years, happy feet, happy feet Manning, yeah. right? I mean, it was every drill was about staying on your toes, moving your feet. And Joe's back there going, he's just steal I mean, it's it's not that he doesn't he, that he's not or that he's flat footed. He's stuck flat footed, looking mm-hmm. like he just doesn't move at all because he believes in that arm so much, well, and rightfully it, so. It's it,
0: a great it, arm. Talking about trusting his arm, and we talked about this one play with him where Cedric Tillman's on a post and he's motioning to him and his feet aren't really even set. They're facing the other way and he throws across his body uh, to Jalen Hyatt on the sideline. That's a play that was reviewed where he stepped out, but it was a a nice throw and catch for a big gain where it looked like he didn't even turn his body towards Jalen Hyatt and he's motioning towards Cedric Tillman and as he motions, he throws back To Jalen Hyde, Amelia, that that shows that confidence in the arm. It does, but Joey Halsley, when he met the media
2: for the first time, Austin, talked about how they've had to work and are doing some work with his feet. Because I do think they want to turn his, you know, get him turned a little bit more at times and and try to uh, use the lower trunk to help him with some accuracy as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of God given ability, Um, but imagine if he cleans up some of the the, the minor technical flaws. I mean, he's only going to get better and better. So, um, you know, I, and I had a chance to visit with him over here, you know before he came on with you guys And I said have you watched the film from last night, you know, and he said yeah I said well, what do you think of your play and he goes I've got I've got i I've got to just trust it and go He goes, I held on to it last night too long I mean he understands. I mean he, he owned his mistakes over there with me I mean like so I mean I think that you know He's gonna think about it next week and, and, and we'll see if he's able to process and, and, and improve from game one to game two big
0: takeaway big thing that I saw with with Joe Milton and I've heard about this from you guys and others that cover Tennessee in camp, and I saw it last night. He needs a change up. He's got a fastball at 100 miles per hour, and I've yet to see that change up of a touch throw. And I'll go back to the, everybody keeps talking about the Jalen Hyatt drop on a big play, and yes, he technically dropped it. Hutton and I are in the end zone going to concession stand at that point, watching that from behind, and I don't know how any human would have caught that football. It was thrown so hard. Rarely could you see a ball thrown that hard with that velocity that far down the field. It was a very difficult catch for that reason, and it didn't have to be thrown that hard. Do you guys see some of that with Joe Milton needing that changeup?
3: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you go back, and Ricky Vaughn had the Terminator in Major League One. And then when he got to Major League Two, he tried (laughs) to bring in the Humiliator and all that other stuff when he just needs the Terminator. We can't can't say what it was called. I understand he's got to throw with more touch. I understand. But as Hyblum pointed out last night, Nothing was too hard in the short. It, it, so the, what the pass you're referencing, in, in Heipel's mind, that, that should have been – you, you can't throw it that hard. I mean, it might have been hard to most, but that, that should have been a catchable ball. So, I mean, yeah, you got to throw a better touch. I, my thing is, is, like, you know, was Although he just – you know, those two deep balls that, but that there was a throw. on the, just overthrows. Was that just being too amped up in the moment? I mean, the guys, you know – had a long off season. He gets, he wins the job. You know, gets out there. I mean, it could be as just as simple as that. He had a little extra adrenaline flowing, and I mean, his arm, you know, with extra adrenaline, is going to throw it even further. Yeah, and you know, those were the
2: two bigger throws to me because the, both those guys were open, and that, yeah. you you got, you got to give your guy a chance to make a play mm-hmm. there. You can't overthrow, you know, that one. The, the one on the Hyatt deal, I, yeah, I mean, that ball was screaming, but but Jalen's got to do a better job of not letting that ball get to his waist. I mean he he tried to catch that against his body. He had his hands in, he didn't get his hands out far enough. He's got to catch that ball with his hands and not try to eat it up with his waist. And I think that ball, because of speed, probably got on him a little faster than he thought it was gonna get there. Did he have to throw it that hard? No, he didn't. But my guess is Joe throws it that hard every day in practice. If he didn't show the if he didn't show the change last night. My guess is you're not seeing a change on the practice field, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I mean I think he's you know it's the old it's the old Lou brown, you know don't 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 mess with the curveball, give him the heater. I mean I think he's I think he's throwing it hard every day. By the way, we're gonna go Major League reference to the whole hour here. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, or I Major think, League too. I think he's throwing it hard every day. That's just a ball that Jalen's
3: got to catch yeah. on, on that one. But yes,
0: every day is what Travis
3: you're
1: Tritt just CG'd Brent as Joe Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're discussing the offense, what was this like for the Vault network last night calling this offense? You we, we discussed the you know how much you would be able to work in in between snaps. Did you did you even speak much last night, Brent? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I tried to stay out of out of Pat Ryan's way as, as much as I could,
2: and um, it was fast. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it was one of those where you know you, you you don't have from a spotter standpoint, and and I did not have a great night spotting last night. So anybody out there ripping Bob Kessling probably ought to rip me first. But you know, from a spotting standpoint, it, you just, there's there's really when they're going, there's no substitution on offense. Like it's 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 going going and and you got to get ready i mean there was a couple times i'm pointing to who made the tackle and then you know They're i look playing. up and the ball's play, you know the ball's in play i'm like wait a minute, <laughs> we got to so there's some adjustment there but um yeah it, it's 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 fast and it's particularly in the first quarter I and mean, we got to the end of the first quarter and we're all like We got how many more quarters to go? (laughs) Because I'm going to be really tired. Would you
3: equate it to like the end of like those commercials where they have to do like the terms and guidelines (laughs) thing where they do that really fast forward? (laughs) That's right. You know, Uh, I mean, it's 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 quick. You know, I mean, it's
2: one of those deals where you're trying to and, and it's and I'll give you the behind the scenes deal. Pat's got a monitor there and you can either have the TV truck, the actual over the air feed, or you can have the clean video feed that's going out. Well, typically you always use the over-the-air feed, even though there's a delay on it, because you can watch it and then you can look down and see the play without it necessarily being a replay, because it's that far behind. When well, they were going so fast, you never got to that play. So, like when when Pat would look to say, "Okay, exactly what happened here?" They were snapping the ball there. So it's like, okay, change this. We got to have a clean video, real time here, because that's how fast they were. They were snap. If you were watching at home. The play that that was happening in the stands was the next play while you were watching the. There was play. one instance where it was two plays.
3: Like, I went up. I was like, oh, "I'm gonna watch the replay." I've <laughs> They run a play. They've still not snapped the ball, and they're over the ball to snap it again. And they snapped. It was the same time. I was like, I was like, "Wow, we're we're two plays yeah. behind on TV."
0: Yeah. You know what That's really different. goes fast in those uh, situations? three and outs <laughs> Yeah, those two do. three and outs I turned to Hutton at one point and said that's fourth down <laughs> I think I missed a second down play just like blinking or closing my eyes for a second and I'm thinking oh they're already punting that was that was awfully quick that's why first down is the biggest key
2: for, for this offense to be successful they've got they've got to move the chains to get into that warp
1: speed because if you don't it's a 30 second drive or- and and that's the bottom line More coming from VolQuest.com's Brent Hubs and Austin Price. It's the VolQuest Power Hour. We're talking all things Tennessee athletics, Tennessee football. Tony Vitello coming up, by the way, in about 45 minutes as we broadcast live right here in K-Town. It's Outkick 360. I'll kick 360, talking college football. Tennessee's win over Bowling Green last night. We'll preview the upcoming week a bit as well with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price, VolQuest.com, and the VolQuest Power Hour. Chad Withrow on that end. Jonathan Hutton here. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe. If you are downloading on the podcast post-show, please like and subscribe that. Share that with your friends, and you can download the podcast wherever you download your podcast on your mobile or smart device. Guys, you mentioned the def- defensive line defensively for Tennessee. Was there anything you didn't like defensively last night?
2: You know, I was surprised that uh, Juwan Mitchell didn't show up a little bit more um, at the linebacker position. I
1: realize I, that's a hard question against Bowling Green here. Like I, I I'm, Maybe you have to nitpick a bit to yeah. find something really bad. But
2: well, I wouldn't say it was really bad. I just thought that he would maybe make more of an impact. I, I think what happened to Tennessee in the second quarter, Austin, is – I think Bowling Green did a couple of different things, and I think Tennessee got a little confused, and I think they had some miscommunication on the field where maybe one side of the ball w- or one side of the field wasn't playing it the same as the other side, and it created some, some
3: big plays for Bowling Green to let those two drives happen. Well, they, they run a couple of rub or pick plays. They hit them with a wheel route. I mean, you know. The, Which the, is always the, open, by the way. It is always open. They they, they found <laughs> some, pe- you know, some people, you know, Out in space, and so now they did move it between the 20s. uh, But Tennessee's able to uh, hold them to you know two long field goals there in that uh, that second quarter. To answer your question, I would go just kind of the linebacker rotation in general. He's right; Jawan Mitchell didn't show up like I thought he would. But like this, every third series they put in Solon Page and and Aaron Beasley. Like if they're gonna do that against Pitt, like that's a head scratcher to me. I get trying to get some of those guys reps, and maybe that's what it was. But they're also you know just they got kind of exposed when those kids were on the field. I, again, I think those kids can, you know, they go play them fine, but why do you need to exchange out every linebacker yep. at one time every third series? Like it wasn't like the defense was gassed. At least that's the way I felt.
2: Did did you laugh when Bowling Green ran the rail route or the wheel route for a for, for a big game because I'll tell this story. So no one was covering him. It by was the way. a complete Well, mess. it was wide open. We yes. were we were at we were at the unveiling of the Trailblazer <laughs> statues yesterday oh, morning, and Hypel's there. And so he walks by and says, hey, how's it going on? How you guys doing? Whatever. And Austin jokingly says, hey, coach, you ought to open the, play. No, to open no, the game. No, no,
3: no. I said, are you going to let me and Hubbs call the first play? Right.
2: And then he said, well, what would it be? And Austin said, well, the wheel route's always open. He said, you sound like my wife. She says that, too. And sure enough, Bowling Green runs it, and there's nobody there. I chuckled. Mm-hmm. I thought of you sitting I'm on the H- other side H- of the class. Hudson got a
0: great picture of that from our seat. On I that did. play, where the running back is just bolting to the boundary and there's no one around him. Yeah, it was a good play. The ball's being bust. thrown,
3: just lobbed to him. The wheel route's always open against Alabama. If Tennessee don't run that at least four times, I mean, seriously, like, how many times have you seen that happen against Alabama? Like, they get kind of exposed by throwing it to the back of their backfield. If Georgia would have kept running it, they'd
2: have won a national championship. Yeah. yeah. They just quit running it in the second half because it was open the entire game. The you entire know, game.
0: You know, someone that uh, was not exposed yesterday was Theo Jackson. And I know you guys wrote about uh, the the game that he had last night. It seems like, you know, guys like that that stick with it, he's a a local kid from Nashville, this is sort of his year to to prove it in a lot of ways. It's re- I thought it was a really good start for Theo Jackson. Uh, punt return, I-, I was joking with Hutton, too. The, the punt, the-, the punter was really pissing me off for Bowling Green because the kid-, kid was terrible at punting. <laughs> He's but somehow he kept <laughs> he kept finding a way to like luck his way into yes. a decent punt. And every time it was different. There was no rhyme or reason. He, he had would, no business having decent punt. He would have a ground ball punts. one time. Then you have a high 20-yard punt the next time that took a great hop. And I thought that Theo Jackson's punt return was kind of caught in the wash of just a terrible punter. That didn't know what he was doing.
3: Yeah, uh, well, but uh, but defensively, I thought he was good. Uh, w- Do we think we found the fart in the skillet last night? Which is what, yeah. Mike, what, which is what Mark, Mike Eckler wanted. Mike Eckler found some blood on his forehead that they showed on
0: the screen I in the stadium, uh, headbutting someone pregame. Uh, we looked up and he had a stream of blood coming down
3: his forehead from headbutting a guy. Stunned, said no one looked yeah. like more looked more like a shark in a microwave last night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to
2: answer your question on Theo Jackson, I think Theo Jackson is a. Is a great example of a guy getting a fresh start with a new coach. Yeah, and and, 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 and I think built Martin, up the confidence. I yeah. think Willie Martinez is a perfect fit for him. I, I do. I think he's a perfect fit. I think Willie probably recruited him a little bit coming out of high school, so they kn- so he knows him, and you see this from time to time. You see guys get a new voice. Um, it's their final run, and the opportunity hits them there, and and, and they, they they get off to a good start. And, and I thought he got off to a good start. How, Actually, he played
3: well. How do you how would you compare Theo Jackson? No, granted, he's playing. He's played safety all up until this year. Now he's playing star. But like, how would you compare him to like a guy like Ladaryl McNeil, or um, even Emmanuel Mosley, from like demeanor standpoint? Like, they seem like very similar kids, demeanor wise. Yeah, like, you I'm, know, and, and, and talent level. I think I think Theo's been through so much that he's probably just
2: probably numb to some things, you know, and just kind of even kill on some stuff. I don't think he gets too wound up. I think he is the... I think he's been easy for Willie Martinez in terms of trying to teach these guys, hey, you, you got to immediately get to the next play because somebody's... You're, you're going to play Ole Miss who's playing fast. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he makes a play and you're like, that's a pretty good play. And Theo's like, yeah, I i did go back get where i'm supposed to i mean like there's no celebrating there's no i mean he was just just even kill all the way through and i just i do think that's his personality and i think that's the result of playing not playing being through kind of what he's been through in his career
0: at tennessee brent you had mentioned that there was a um clear identity for tennessee this is what they're going to do on offense this is what they're going to look like did you see any of that with tim banks's defense in this game or was there even an opportunity to show an identity against a really bad Bowling Green offense? I don't know that there was a much of an identity to
2: show, Austin, because, I mean, they didn't have to blitz a whole lot. I mean, I think they were pretty vanilla. I thought they were better in man coverage than they were in zone coverage overall. Can they play man against really good really good offensive teams Can they play man against um, you know this pit offense that's coming in that's going to throw it a lot better that, That'll be a question mark in the storyline heading into this game week I thought
3: they were pretty vanilla on defense what you would expect? Yeah I thought they were vanilla. I, I don't think they really really kind of showed anything that they could potentially do and honestly if they can somehow win this appeal this week for Byron Young, I think it's probably a good thing he didn't play because Pitt doesn't know what he is. And, I mean, I know we all know what he's been able to do in fall camp. Now, does that equate to a game field? Not necessarily, but I think it's good that there's nothing out there on him. There's no tape. There's no tape on what moves he likes to hit him with. Um, you know, and, and so in the secondary, you know, having a guy like that up front only helps them. Um, but they really weren't challenged a whole lot last night. And a couple of the couple of throws that the quarterback for Bowling Green made last night were a couple of nice dimes that where he – Did show touch. (laughs) He did hit him with the humiliator and humiliated him on a couple of drives. No, I I thought
2: he was pretty good rolling the ball. I mean, he threw the ball better than anything that you saw out of them last year when they lost five games. I mean, clearly he's got a pretty good connection with Osborne, you know, and and those guys uh, know each other, and, and, you know, he was going to that well pretty often.
0: What is going on with Byron Young? Is this a Bishop Sycamore situation that he was playing for? What what is the deal with the uh, late notice of the or at least the late announcement? <laughs> he was playing. Breaking?
3: He was playing in a for a, he played two games for a prep school in Mobile, Alabama, in 2017. He came out of high school in the state of South Carolina, moved down to Georgia, ended up going to a prep school down at Gulf Coast something, um, uh, down in Mobile. Played two games. Then they folded. Okay, that's when he found himself working at, at Dollar General store as an assistant manager. Found the flyer. Went to Georgia Military extensive Tennessee over Auburn, rest is history. Um, you know, but because of those two games, um, his eligibility clock started then. The NCAA has some kind of rule in place to where it does not kill the whole season, but I think it's basically one of those two-for-two two type things. So, like, he played two games, so they're going to have to sacrifice the first two of this year. But they were appealing that. Um, and, and and so, like, I think they, they still had a little bit of case to make before – they know whether they potentially could get him back for Pitt. I, he will. He will be back at worst by Tennessee Tech. I think the other option was if you played him, he lost the whole. He lost a
2: whole year of eligibility. Yeah. And so if you went ahead and played him, then instead of having three, he would have two because that whole year at prep school would have counted. But it's not his fault the school folded. Yes. And that's the point. But he played two games, so it's a, It's it's a. Right now it's a two for two. And deal. that was back before the play the first four games and redshirt deal. You right. know what I mean so so their Tennessee's trying to get that reduced to one game. They're, you know it's the NCAA. I mean they'll probably make a ruling on that in late late November. You know that that he can, his, he could only miss one game of his third year <laughs> yeah. in the NFL. But, but yeah. you know Tennessee's <laughs> trying there. But that's the, that's the bottom line. with good work, good reporting by Austin to to a explain it and to dig into what what it was because when you first heard it, you're like well, this makes no sense. Yeah. So then you start wondering was it something recruiting because he was recruited by the previous staff? None of that. He's not involved in any of that in any way. This is all about. A strip mall prep school that went out of business.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, when you look at, like, the stuff that started to kind of get its way into the message boards and stuff, I mean, you know, arrested, did this, did that. And I'm like, and you really couldn't say them because Tennessee at the point was trying to appeal to get him eligible for last night. Uh, they weren't able to get that done. Still trying to work through the appeals to get him back for Pittsburgh. We'll see if that happens. But like, you really couldn't say anything because like, what if he got, what if he, went, you know, what if he won the appeal? Then it, saying any of that stuff was a moot point. And uh, I, I, you know, as I told somebody on campus, like, you know, this is something like you got to tell the full story here because if you don't tell the full story, people are going to say, well, did he, you know, fail a drug
1: test? Did he do this? Did he do that? Because he did nothing wrong. Did nothing wrong. And he's a really good kid. I'm trying to figure out what we actually learned about Tennessee last night versus it just being Bowling Green. We learned that Chad fell asleep during a second down play earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, no idea that the second down play happened. Um, we'll, we'll know less about Pittsburgh tomorrow as they play UMass uh, ahead of this matchup against Tennessee. What do you expect from them next week? Oh, I expect Narduzzi to come motivated, don't you, Brent? I mean, like you know, going up against an SEC
3: school, anytime you play one of those – you know, an ACC school or a Big 12 school that's maybe kind of middle of the road or bottom part of the conference, they come motivated when they play an SEC school because in their mind, winning any game in this against an SEC school is a big deal uh, for, to help them with the recruiting or so on and so forth. Well, and he's 0-2 in his career against Josh Heupel.
2: Okay. Okay, so that's... And, and the one the one in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken, was a hammer job by Central Florida. They beat them, they beat them badly. Um, Or maybe it was a bowl game. Then there was another game they played that was much closer than that. He's a defensive-minded coach. So, you know, he wants to shut down the the offensive gurus. Okay. I mean, he's going to be all about that. Pitt is getting a lot of love from some people because they're bringing back a quarterback who started like 34 games in his career. He played in 38 and he started 34 of them. And he took the COVID year and came back. A lot of people think he's going to be an NFL draft pick, like a mid-round NFL draft pick. 6'3", 220. Um, he's thrown for – I mean, he's got as many 400-yard passing games as Dan Marino. I get offenses are different, but anytime you can say a Pittsburgh quarterback right. and Dan Marino, suddenly he's elevated in his status. Sure. they got a couple wide receivers that can go. They will be a much different challenge for Tennessee defensively. And then Pitt's defense lost a lot. Um, but I'm sure they're licking their chops after watching that tape. They think that they can really disguise some things and get Joe Milton out of rhythm pretty quickly. So I- I'm sure they'll come in pretty confident and highly motivated because of what Austin says—they're picked fourth in the Coastal—and then a lot of people are saying, "Well, they're a ten. They could be a ten-win team. Why are you ten wins and fourth <laughs> in Cobb?" I've not watched all the ACC teams. I've not previewed them all. But if you win 10 games, I promise you you're not going to be fourth in the Coastal Division
1: of the ACC. So I, I'm sure they got a pretty good motivation about them because they think they got a pretty good football team. Brent Hubs and Austin Price with us. When we come back, we'll wrap up the VolQuest Power Hour. I want to also discuss and, and get their take on Georgia as they take on Clemson tomorrow night. Uh, it's a part of our OutKick and Fox Tour And I'm trying to figure out the Bulldogs, what to expect, because Clemson's got some turnover with their roster, guys in the pros now. Uh, Georgia with a a big prove-it year for Kirby Smart and their quarterback situation too, meager to get these guys' takes on uh, the Georgia Bulldogs against Clemson and what a win would mean, more importantly, for that program. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, live in Knoxville. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price with us from VolQuest.com. We've been talking Tennessee football. We can talk some recruiting as well, Chad. It's a big weekend, Austin,
0: uh, with uh, the ability with the Thursday night game for coaches to get out on the road for high school games tonight. And I know you've got it covered at VaultQuest with where everyone is going this weekend. And uh-huh.
3: They're all out and about. Yes. And uh, locally, we'll start with Josh Heupel. He and Rodney Garner will be at... Uh, Powell and Carnes at 7 o'clock, that kickoff coming up in just a couple of hours um, as Deshaun Bishop, uh, an ever-improving 2023 tailback, takes on Walter Nolan and a, those 2023 wide receivers at Powell. Then they'll go over to Catholic where uh, Catholic is uh, playing Baylor, Trevor Duncan, a 2023 lineman that Tennessee likes a good bit is in that football game. Um, you know, Tim Banks is up in the state of Michigan. He's up there seeing Jeremiah Caldwell, a, a kid that was once committed to Kentucky DB, kind of a Tennessee-Michigan state battle right now. Um, you know, and he'll see also Masai Reddick while he's up there Day the Vol commit, the offensive lineman. Uh, you know, really, coaches a little bit of everywhere. A couple coaches in the mid-state, that being Alex Golish and Brian Jean-Marie, uh, Jerry Max out in Memphis. Uh, Coach Eckler is over in Charlotte, North Carolina, seeing James Pierce, the def- uh, the outside line- linebacker Leo that, that Tennessee likes a good bit and would love to get to campus, but he's yet to get here. Um, you know, Coach Halsey's up in Indianapolis, Indiana, seeing uh, Taven Jackson. You've got Willie Martinez down in uh, the state of Alabama, and you've got. Uh, Coach Ellerby um, down in the state of Florida seeing um, Brian Grant. I think I've hit them all. You, you did a good job. It's then. like a bedtime story. Yeah, you I know. Just step be-
2: back and watch. Be- better better, better than I could have done going
0: through <laughs> the geography of the country where they're going. So good job.
1: Busy weekend, and they can take advantage of this too, right? With the, the early game oh, this week. Oh, forgot got Cody Burns,
3: who's over in Arkansas, seeing Chaz Nimrod. Okay, go ahead. there you
1: go. Uh, the ability to take advantage of the open weekend, Burns. teams off. Right? Coaches are out recruiting.
3: Yeah, they're not taking any time off. They're out recruiting. They got film study tomorrow morning. They got meetings all day tomorrow, meetings Sunday. I mean, like. You know, everybody else may be enjoying the weekend off. The staff's not.
1: The Um, staff's not, right? The players uh, are. uh, No, the players have meetings. We had two players tell us they were off this weekend. Uh, Joe Milton told me he had meetings Saturday (laughs) and meetings Sunday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Joe Milton Milton said they were going to start with the game plan tomorrow. I know he told us that. I didn't know when, but that's what he told us.
2: The one advantage to playing on Thursday night, though, is, look, coaches around the country at all schools are out and about tonight. The, the, the advantage Tennessee has by playing on Thursday night is they can go further out yeah, because nobody's I got, got to try to get back for a noon start or get back for team meetings on a, on a Friday night to, to get ready to go. So all of a sudden now Tim Banks can go to Detroit. You, you wouldn't be able to go to Detroit if it was Tennessee Tech Week or uh, you know LRB going to Florida. That's hard to do. You know That trip would have happened when Tennessee went to Florida. But because there's no
3: game Saturday, they can go further out and spread out further for evaluation. Coaches are naturally um, uh, paranoid, and so you know, to Brent's point, like coaches will go out, you know, two, three, four hour radius pretty easily. Yeah. But when they have a game the next day, they're not going to venture out more than about that. I mean, like because they just don't they want to get any, back. Well, they don't want any kind of distractions. They don't want to, you know. Look back and go, man. If we hadn't wasted all that time going to, yeah. you know, six yeah. states over, like we'd have been a little more focused as a staff, and we would have beat Team X. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it, it does give them that leeway to, where they don't have to worry about a game tomorrow. They've played the game last night, and they just have to worry about getting together for meetings tomorrow.
1: Top five matchup tomorrow night: Clemson and Georgia. You buying the Bulldogs in this? It seems like everybody's picking Clemson, even though they're reloading. I mean, they're not rebuilding. They're reloading. But no Trevor Lawrence, no Travis Etienne. I'm curious to see what Georgia can do with the returning starters they have. Well, I'm curious to see who all is going to play. There's stories out
2: today that yeah. uh, the, the receiver from Clemson is not going to play because of, of COVID. There's rumors out that one of their defensive tackles is not going to go because of some COVID stuff. Georgia's is dealing with a bunch of, of injuries, injuries as well. I mean, I, I think... I think the pregame warm-up, I mean, there'll be more binoculars on that than you normally see because that could change a lot as to who's going to go and who's not going to go because there's a lot of speculation but not a lot of confirmation on exactly who's there and who's not. How does How does Clemson's quarterback handle – I'm not going to try to say his name. How does he Is handle – Louis Something like that. Yeah. How does he handle a big game? You know, and, and JT Daniels seemed to find his stride at the end of last year, but against who? You know, and so – I think quarterback play will be really, really interesting to watch in this one. And, and you know, how does how does Kirby Smart attack a spread offense?
3: It's been a big, big talk down in Georgia. Can they handle a the spread? And as Brent pointed out, there's just so much change. Like mm-hmm. outside of maybe like the Georgia running backs. I mean, tell me, you know, who's not going to be in this game that's not kind of a fresh face or has very little experience? I mean, a lot of talent, but right. not proven talent outside of you know, the, the Georgia backs and, you know, a couple of the Clemson receivers who are back from, from a year
1: ago. Guys, thank you for coming by and, and, and joining us here um, in person. Love having you on weekly, especially when you get the chance to do this in person. You guys are great.
3: Well, more importantly, thank Brent. His kid's got a game in two hours. Gibbs Eagles taking on Carter. <laughs> Big region game. Eli, my prediction, one oh, sack, one touchdown. <laughs> eight tackles. I got I to gotta go. his wins, unlike yeah. the poor
2: mouth will oh, let you okay. believe. I got to go. I got to get out of here because I got to get yeah. my ankles taped, some baby
1: food, and a little pickle juice in me
2: because I got I to gotta get myself <laughs> yeah. ready cramps to go. when he yells at the referee. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah.
1: Austin's Cramp about up. to get a parking ticket, so he's bouncing, <laughs> he's too. Got,
2: you're you're a a cherry cherry at
1: <laughs> You got, You got two minutes, Austin. <laughs> guys, thank you. Hey. Tell the rose petals to get ready over hey. there, all right? Th- 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 thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Ballquest.com is the website. Big thanks to Brent Hobbs and Austin Price. P.K is going to join us from Nashville in a matter of minutes. Uh, And then Tony Vitello joins us live right here in Knoxville for Outkick 360 We wrap up the final hour of the show. It's straight ahead. Hang with us. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.